sometimes I see people sticking with somebody when it, that person is not good for them. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Isn't that interesting? And it's like we, again, have this false loyalty. It's not healthy. But sometimes we just need to say, wait a minute, I'm going to evaluate my relationships. Are they really healthy? When was the last time you took a good look at your relationships? Are they all healthy? Or do you need to set some boundaries? Today on Hope for the Heart, June Hunt talks with a mom who's thinking about her relationships with her three adult children. She's worried that setting boundaries is going to damage those relationships. However, continuing on the way they are, well, that's going to cause other problems. Let's get started with this broadcast and this conversation between June and this mom. Just a quick note, this phone conversation is pre-recorded. I have three married children and one grandchild. I babysit the grandchild every day. My husband and I both love our children and their spouses very much, and we do as much as we can to help them. But things recently have gotten to the point where we never have any time alone. It just seems like our lives are wrapped up in them so much that we have no time for us. Do they live in your home? They had in the past, but they're all in their own homes right now. Mm -hmm. Who owns the home? Our home? Yes. My husband and I. There is a time when you need to be able to come apart, or else you may come apart. Well, <laughs> you know? It's about to that point. <laughs> okay, what is preventing you from saying, kids, I love you, we both value you, we want to just have some time to ourselves. Now, what's keeping you from saying that? It's taken a long time to build a good relationship with them. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that there's going to be a big blow-up and I'm going to say a lot of things I don't want to say. Are there things that are being taken advantage of, either finances, property, things of that nature? Yeah, I'd say a little bit of everything. I don't feel that it's intentional. I think it's just expected. Okay. Whose things, money, possessions, who has ownership of those? We do, but... No, there's no but. Okay. I think that I am more at fault than my husband okay. because but it's hurting both of us. Okay. She said, I have three married children and one grandchild. I babysit the grandchild every day. But things have gotten to the point that she and her husband never have any time alone. So that's the presenting problem. In life, there are givers and takers. Which type are her children? So far, it sounds like that they are takers. Now, are these little bitty children who need a bottle? No, these are grown children. The real question is, why are they takers? What would you say? Why do you think all of the children, why are they takers? Because she allowed them to. Because she allowed them to. And why do you get that conclusion? She has no boundaries. <laughs> she has no boundaries. Yeah, because if they're all doing it, then apparently there's no lock on the door or something. There's something missing. By the way, years ago, somebody said something I kind of didn't like it. Somebody said, a person can't manipulate you unless you let them. I didn't want to hear that because I knew I was being manipulated. And I didn't view that I was letting them. I thought I had no choice. You do have a choice. Adults have choices. You are not powerless. If you think you are, then something has to change. How much did she say she and her husband do to help did you hear a phrase, how much help do they give their grown children? 
as much as they can, everything, whatever they can. Do you think that's really for their best interest? No, because it's training them to be what? Takers. So, is this healthy? No. Let's go on to the call. Give me a scenario of where you feel that there has been an overstepping of boundaries. Well, every evening I fix a dinner. Uh-huh. And every evening I have almost everyone here for dinner. If I don't fix dinner, then they'll go ahead and help themselves to whatever they want to fix themselves for dinner. And I still have dishes to do and whatever. I might as well fix the dinner. How can we say it without pushing them out of our lives? Okay. You start with the sandwich method. The sandwich method is a soft piece of bread at the top, and there's a soft piece of bread at the bottom. In the middle is the meat of what you need to communicate. We'll call it the meat of correction, the meat of criticism, the meat of whatever. The soft piece of bread at the beginning is what is true. I'm hearing that you don't want to lose the relationship, that you care about them. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so you say, we love you, we care about you. Kids will be takers if you allow them to be takers. If you don't establish healthy boundaries, they will take advantage of you. So it's up to you as parents to establish the boundaries. See, I feel in my whole life I've never had boundaries. I have a question. Did Jesus please everybody? No. No. In fact, many times he had to say no so that he could say yes to the Father, right? Okay. Do you want to be Christ-like? That's the desire of my heart. Wonderful. If you're going to be Christ-like, there are times that you will have to say no so that you can say yes to your marriage, yes to your own spiritual health, yes to your Lord. And you'll have to say no to someone else because their desires may not even be in the best interests of themselves. If someone is allowed to take advantage of you financially, is that really in the best interest of that person? Are you helping a son or a daughter if you allow them to continue taking advantage of you? It's the good parent, it's the conscientious parent who at times has to say no because that's not in the best interest of your child. You're not wanting to harm them, and you're not doing any harm by saying if there has been an abuse of funds or a taking mentality. If you maintain that, you're enabling them. Have you heard the term being an enabler in an alcoholic context? No. Okay. The woman who continues to cover up for her husband who is an alcoholic is called an enabler, meaning she doesn't allow him to face the consequences of his alcoholism. Let's say he has a hangover, and he says, call work and tell him I've got the flu, or I've just got a virus, and I can't come in today. So she calls. Is she really helping her husband? Do you see it? Yeah. She's enabling him to continue on in a very unhealthy lifestyle. We've had this pattern for so long now. How can we break it without being abrupt? <laughs> All right, now you're on the phone with her. She's asked you this question. What would you say? I really love you and I'd like to spend time with you. How about we get together a certain night a week to have dinner? Just let them know that, you know, it's time for them to grow up and step it up. It's our job to raise responsible children, not dependent brats. <laughs> That's very candid. Your role as a parent is to prepare your kite for flight so that that kite is not 
held captive in a room. It's got a sore independent of you. By the way, who is she most concerned about here? It seems to be her concern is for herself and the loss of a relationship with her children that she now has. So she's not really thinking about them. She's scared that it's going to change their relationship and she'll lose them. So who's she thinking about? Herself. I'm thinking that it might be appropriate to have some type of a sensitive but candid conversation where she could apologize to her children for leading them into this, what's become acceptable behavior, and just say, you know, I think I realize as I've made a mistake and it hasn't been helpful to you and it hasn't been helpful to me and the base of it is I'm afraid of losing you and you know that's undercutting you as an adult and I know that that's an irrational fear and uh, I want to move forward. I love that. That is huge. Do you hear what she said? She's taking responsibility for her part of it. Saying, I need to ask your forgiveness. I see I have set up a dynamic that isn't helping you. It's not helping us have the right kind of relationship. Anyone else? I think walking into it, you have to realize that the relationship is going to change. Mm -hmm. You are not going to let things be status quo. But you're going to change things and something's going to happen. It may not be in your control, but something's going to happen. <laughs> That's realistic. That's realistic. It could be, for a while, a dynamic that's painful. You know, one or two, they've got three kids. They could get upset or do the silent treatment or whatever. But you've got to have some change. And if they are irrational and won't hear it, they still need to hear it. So you can't make another person change. You can't make another person go with the truth. But that doesn't keep you from speaking the truth and love. And it may cause, as he said, a change in the dynamic. But the dynamic needs to change anyway. But you don't know how it will play out. We'll go on with the rest of the call. No matter how your grown children respond, you've got to have healthy boundaries. They could accuse you of being harsh, being cruel, but in fact, it will increase their respect for you in the long run. I would call a family meeting then, because this sounds like the best thing to do, and just say, we've been evaluating just how we've been living and our patterns that we've had. We think that we need to have some changes. I've loved raising you, but you know, it's now time for me to say the kitchen is closed. And you can do it with a smile. Kids, I'm really weary needing a rest. I know you all have your own kitchens, so we'll let you know when we're going to have family gatherings. Right now, I've just got some kitchen burnout. Your dad and I just want to have some alone time. We need some time just for us. And we know you'll understand. We certainly hope you will. We think it's healthy for us to have time, just us. Now, I would literally script it out. I would write out, the two of y'all can talk about it. It may be helpful to get a third party involved who is totally objective. Make it based on the principle not personalities. Look at what Jesus said. He was being pressed by the people, and he said that he had to go away from them. They wanted him right there all the time. But instead, he said that he had to go away so that he could just be with the Father. 
I think what's happened here, it's almost as though they have become the parents and you've become the children. Mm -hmm. It's time to grow up. Mm -hmm. I have a fear. Yeah, I keep hearing this fear business. Yeah, what what are you afraid of? Losing them. If they would be lost over you setting healthy boundaries, then it's their fault. None of them know how to express themselves in a proper way. Okay. Well, you're going to teach them. You're going to start modeling it. And you speak the truth in love. Start modeling before them what is healthy because see right now all they're seeing is an unhealthy pattern of relating they're takers and you're not helping them learn to be givers you've allowed them to be takers you're not teaching them to give and to do for themselves model what they need that's the best kind of parenting you can give sometimes we will send a cd of the program so they can hear their conversation. It's the truth that they need to hear over and over. Healthy relationships come from healthy boundaries. That's what we're learning today with June Hunt here on Listener Supported Hope for the Heart. If you'd like to dig a little deeper, there are a couple of options for you. You can download a free quick reference guide from hopefortheheart.org or go to our online store and order your copy of The Keys for Living on this topic of boundaries. Right now, let's get back to our broadcast as June walks us through some of the benefits of boundaries. We're going to look at what relational boundaries enable you to do. Relational boundaries enable you to stand up for yourself and speak your mind appropriately, to feel comfortable in giving honest feedback to others, to be firm with others in a loving, gentle way. You say, well, gentle, that doesn't sound like they're compatible, firm and gentle. I find when I need to give a message out that's a little hard, you speak slow and low, no yelling. Let me tell you that this is unacceptable. I will not respond in any positive way if you do this. If you choose to do this, I will leave. It could be you say, I'll be back. At some point, I'm going to leave. And then if the boundary is crossed, then you leave. You don't leave in a huff. You don't do it vengefully. You say, I said I would leave if this took place. It has taken place, so I'll be leaving for a while. You practice in your mind ahead of time what you're going to do. You respect the rules of others and act in their best interest. You express the rules you have established for your relationships. You defend others and promote a healthy equality in relationships. I don't know of anything that says it better than what is often referred to as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. How do you want to be treated? And by the way, that is a very helpful verse in the Bible because Everyone wants to be treated with respect. No one wants to be treated with disrespect. By the way, conversation should not be when everything is exploding around. You don't do it when there's this horrible fight going on. You wait until things are calm, when things are pleasant, to communicate the issue of boundaries. Now, you may have an explosion going on if you say, you've chosen to cross the boundary here, so I'll be gone for a while. 
there is what is called emotional and mental boundaries, which equip you to evaluate the appropriateness of your own emotions in light of God's word and deal with them accordingly. For example, if somebody's being abusive, the Bible says, be angry but do not sin. So you can have justifiable anger. Jesus was angry. The Bible is very clear. He had indignation when the money changers in the temple were taking money that's supposed to be used for sacrifices in the temple and instead they were um, jacking up the prices. He went in and turned over their tables. He was not at that point the gentle shepherd Jesus. So if you have anger, determine what has caused it. Evaluate. Anger is just a secondary response letting you know something's wrong. It's like the red light on the dashboard of your car saying something's wrong. That's what anger is. It's an indicator light that there's a problem and it needs to be dealt with. So you can be thankful when you have appropriate anger. Just don't let it turn into sin. That's what God says. In terms of emotional boundaries and mental boundaries, investigate truth for yourself and disengage. That's what we were talking about, separating yourself. Disengage from those who try to manipulate or hurt you and whose ideas and values are not in line with God's word. You know, so many times I see people sticking with somebody when that person is not good for them. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Isn't that interesting? And it's like we, again, have this false loyalty. It's not healthy. But sometimes we just need to say, wait a minute, I want to evaluate my relationships. Are they really healthy? So guard against letting emotions rule you by focusing your mind on God's truth and on his character. You do understand where emotions primarily come from, do you? Emotions are just the caboose of what we're thinking. Typically, you have a thought. Somebody betrays you. Somebody says something negative towards you. You know, it hurts. So that registers in your mind. Well, it's not fair. That hurts. So now you're hurting. But it's based on something that your brain has logged into that something happened. Now, are you going to be angry Are you going to hold on to it? What does the Bible say? Hmm. Pray for those who persecute you. There's something wrong with somebody who betrays you, right? There's something wrong with people who betray people. Something that's not whole about people who betray other people. So you pray for whatever unmet need is in that person's life. Does that mean that you try to just be all in the midst of their relationship. No, you may need to have that separation. But what I'm saying is, if you're controlled by your emotions, it's like the tail wagging the dog. You got that picture? No, you take charge of your emotions. What are we told about what we should think? Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, good report, Excellent, praiseworthy. Let your mind dwell on these things. Pray for those who persecute you. And by the way, when you pray consistently for someone, the emotions then are the caboose and you can feel what is appropriate. You pray for the unmet need. You can be at peace about that instead of just being angry. 
don't let anger control you keep emotions governed by God's truth and his perspective on events in your life God's truth, God's truth, God's truth. Experience natural human emotions and agree or disagree with others without fear or shame. You have the right to disagree. Just disagree agreeably. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So you respond emotionally to others in an appropriate way and communicate your own thoughts, your own opinions in a Christ-like way. Don't be intimidated. You know, so many people say, well, I better not say anything. And I understand I'm careful about what I say to people. But if you can't be open with somebody who's supposed to be the closest person in your life, if you have to be walking on eggshells, there is something wrong. That's not healthy. It is a matter of learning to speak the truth in love. And if somebody disagrees with something you said, well, I see that that's your opinion and this is mine. Well, we've gotten some practical and helpful insight into boundaries with June Hunt here on Hope for the Heart. And we'll hear more in just a minute. Right now, I want to let you know that you can discover more about boundaries in our new Keys for Living series on this topic. You can get a digital download of this practical guide or order the hard copy at hopefortheheart.org. This resource will give you a sound biblical perspective as well as practical steps that you can use to move forward. Now as promised, here's June with a final word about boundaries. Boundaries make it possible to enjoy a mutual give and take within healthy relationships. When you have appropriate boundaries in your life, then you guard yourself from giving more than you should and protect yourself from others taking more than they should. Proverbs, the book of wisdom, puts it this way. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That means boundaries help bring order to your personal world and the world around you. Is your life controlled by someone else? Ask yourself, am I trying to be everything to another person? If so, you need to know where your responsibilities end and where someone else's begin. Pray for wisdom in order to have the best boundaries and in order to have blessed relationships. That means relationships that have the blessing of God. Well, we learned today that boundaries are good and beneficial. I'm so grateful that God has given June the ability to take his word and apply it to the challenges we face in life. You can learn how to help others using resources that June and her team have developed. Here's more. Addiction, abuse, violence, grief and loss, depression and suicide, marital and family stress. These are only some of the problems the church faces today. As a pastor, you may feel overwhelmed with the needs of those in your church and community. As a first responder within your faith community, how do you manage the crisis around you? Imagine raising up those in your church to come alongside you, helping you meet the needs of hurting people. Lifeline to Hope is a brand new, one-of-its-kind caregiver training program for your church. This 10-week video-based program can train and deploy a small, effective group of caregivers and help you launch a dynamic caregiving ministry. 
Equip your church to connect lives in crisis with a new or renewed life in Christ. Discover more at lifelinetohope.org. lifelinetohope.org. Equip your church to connect lives in crisis with a new or renewed life in Christ. Discover more at lifelinetohope.org. For daily access to biblical hope and practical help, join us on Facebook. June Hunt has her own page, and there's a page for Hope for the Heart. As we sign off, remember that there is hope, no matter the circumstance. For June Hunt, I'm Joe Wolf. Have a great weekend, and meet us back here on Monday for more about this hope, right here on Hope for the Heart.